Chapter 7 of What the Boys Did Over There by Henry Fox This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Life in the Trenches by Corporal Frank Sears Life in the Trenches is made up of cooties, rats, mud, and gas masks. We had heard from fellows who had been there before us what we thought were jokes about cooties and trench rats but it was no joke to me when I looked for the first time at a rat almost as big as a cat. It was lying in my bunk, and I heard it squeal. Looking down, I had my first view of a trench rat. I threw a heavy hobnailed shoe at him, and he merely changed his position and looked around to see who had interrupted him. After that, it wasn't strange to wake up and find them running across you. But I will say that if it were a matter of choice, I would select a hundred rats in preference to two cooties, for the cootie is an unreasonable bird, and when a sammy has come back from the lines exhausted, he lays down in the hopes of snatching a few hours' sleep before being called on. But the cooties have no respect for sammy, and they pester him until he has no more idea of sleep, only to start in and hunt for the cooties that are annoying him. You have all more or less had fever, but I guess there are none of you over here who knows of the mud fever. We all used to shy at mud during the rainy season in the year 1917. After a heavy storm, the boys hated to go out to drill as the mud got so bad there that the only way of getting out from the drill was by going on sick report in the morning. I remember the morning six buddies and myself went over to the infirmary. I happened to be the first one in line. The doctor came up to me and said, What's your trouble? At first I said, I don't know, sir. And he said, Well, what are you doing here if you don't know? Where do you feel sick? And I told him all over. So he called the pill roller over and told him to take my temperature. I sat down and the pill roller put the glass tube in my mouth, which always balled the detail up. He then held hands with me for a while, and I asked him what he was doing. He told me he was taking my pulse. He then gave the final report to the skipper, who came to me and said, You have the mud fever. He then turned to the orderly and said, Give him two CC pills and mark him duty. That's how I happened to get over the mud fever. We became so used to mud up in the lines that if our chow did not have some mud or muddy water in it, we could not digest it. It was just a case of mud all over eat, drink, sleep, and wash in mud. And now for the old reliable, which tortured us while wearing it, but without which we should have been lost. The gas mask. We were not fortunate enough to have ever received the American gas masks and have never seen one over there. The first two American divisions received English and French masks. The English mask looks like a false face with two big glass eyes and a nose clip 
which resembles a clothespin and keeps the gas from going through the nostrils. There is also a tube which goes into the mouth with a hard piece of rubber on it to make it airtight. This mouthpiece is a long caterpillar tube which connects the mask to a tin can containing a chemical composition of charcoal, rocks, sand, and other medical decoctions. There were times when we endured these masks from 18 to 36 hours. Sometimes we would just get the order to take them off and, thinking the danger passed, would get ready to eat when the command to put them on again would be given. This is done by means of horns at intervals along the whole line of trenches. Each horn gives the signal which is repeated right through the lines. It is a wonderful relief after having a mask on a long time to be able to breathe fresh air again. End of chapter 7